a Dad's Net original podcast. Hi, I'm Michael. And I'm Paul. We're the Atwell Brices and this is Disability. The podcast for parents with children who have disabilities. We're the proud dads of two sets of identical twins, Lance and Lawson, our youngest. And Levi and Lucas, our older twins, who are diagnosed with autism and epilepsy, amongst other disabilities. In Disability, we'll be helping you with tips and recommendations. And we'll be speaking to special guests and most of all, you'll hear that you are not alone in your journey. So welcome back to the Diffability Podcast. I really can't believe we are now on episode four, Michael. It's just going so fast, isn't it? Yeah, so we're, um, this is this fourth one that we've recorded. And you may remember last time we was going to be taking the children to the launch of Alton Towers, so the grand opening. They've opened some three new attractions in CBeebies Land, which we were really keen to see because that's the boys' favourite section. And we had a great day. We were very tired, tired parents. But enjoyable kids at the same time because they loved it. When they're happy, we're happy. So we're extremely lucky to be invited to that. So Lad Baby was there. Um, Louis, Louis Smith, the yeah, gymnast. The gymnast. He oh, was lovely. They were really lovely to us, the other I people. I feel like we're dro- name dropping here, Michael. No, and um, so the three new attractions anyway, they've done a new accessible playground area, which is Hey Dougie. And basically it's all... Like a soft tarmac, so I think before it were like chippings, so it wasn't accessible. So now you can wheel the chairs into the area they've got, which is amazing. I think it's two or is it three trampolines that you can actually put a wheelchair on. So they're sunken into the ground. So if your child is wheelchair bound, you can literally wheel them on and bounce them up and down in the chair. But they also have a slide which is designed for a parent or primary caregiver to go down with a child as well yeah. so you can fit alongside each other. See, Alton Towers have got, like, a person that's for their inclusion and disabilities and stuff now, and they have made a lot of improvements. So that slide, so a normal slide is just a slide that one person goes down. Now, two carers or parents can sit at either side of one child and go down it so you can help them stay upright, you can make sure they go down safely. And they had that specially made with this in mind. Um, also, they've added a brand new changing places toilet right at the front of the park, which makes complete sense because once you're entering the park and you've been on a long journey to get there, you just sometimes want to change the kids. Now, for people that don't know what a changing places toilet is, it's one with a bench and a hoist, and it's much bigger than a normal disabled toilet. So you can fit, we fitted Levi and Lucas in no problem. At the same time, as well as both yourself and me, both me and you, yeah. yourself and me, however you say that. They've, ma- they've made a huge commitment, aren't they, to make things more accessible and they've made more rides accessible as well. So it is a big step forward. So the Changing Places toilet is actually not the first, it's their fourth in the park. Now, some uh, attractions, leisure parks, don't even have one, so... That's a massive commitment from Merlin to have four on the site. Shame on you. Shame on you, those companies that don't even have one. We know, I know who you're talking about, Michael, but we won't name and shame you. We're giving you time to see if you're going to up your game and include all families. There's, There's one particular one that we have a real problem with, and it's a big holiday firm 
it's owned by a huge company and it's got like 40 caravan parks across the UK. And they don't have one? No, they do. They have four. Oh, but they you have to have, go to Scotland to use it. They, they, they have four across 40 sites. So is that 1%? I don't know. I'm not very good with maths, but they've got four, but they've got 40 sites. But bear in mind, this company makes multi-million pounds profit. So that's just like what riles us up sometimes. So yeah, at Alton Towers... Um, we love taking the boys there and one of their favourite rides there is the Wicker Man now I don't know if you've any of you've been to Alton Towers recently but it's there it's quite a new roller coaster it's a wooden roller coaster but it's quite fast and I don't know the people that are on his Instagram page would have seen Levi I filmed him going round and I was I was actually crapping myself thinking I'm going to drop the phone um, but I managed to film him going all the way around and he just really really loved it his face lights up they like different children when they go to the theme park. They really, really love it. It's the whole sensory aspect of it, isn't it? With yeah. the wind and the G-force. Well, we love it as adults as well. And that's the only way <laughs> I can kind of understand how they must feel during it. Levi loves it that much. When we get back to the end and the bars come up, he pulls the bar back down and it locks him back in. And he refuses <laughs> to get out. Yeah, now, at like Disney in America... <laughs> They just let us go around again. But on this particular day, uh, there was only one... There was um, one roller coaster roller working coaster instead working of two, weren't there? Yeah. For Wickerman instead of two. But we have to give a big shout out to a member staff at Alton Towers Louise because the queue was two hours yeah. for Wickerman. 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 <laughs> and um, she got us straight onto the ride. And uh, so the boys didn't get distressed waiting and stuff. And yeah, they just had the best experience ever. So a big shout out to Louise from Alton Towers because she made that experience for Levi and Lucas exceptional. And we are all for that. Every time somebody goes out of their way or goes that extra mile, they have uh, nothing but respect from us, do they? I think I went on, um, which one were it? Is it Rita, the car one? Yeah, I was too scared to go on this because <laughs> I don't like those that actually go upside down me and it, panic. Yeah, I think it kind of went sideways. See, we, we take Levi and Lucas on all of them, barring the ones where it goes over the head, like the proper three-point zip harness, because we're just... If they'd, we always car- carry the rescue meds with us and stuff like that. So if they had a seizure on the roller coaster, we just need to be able to get off. But they absolutely loved it. They're, I mean, they still love the CBBS land as well. The Postman Pat ride. Postman Pat was actually going round in the little car with uh, Postman Pat and his cat in his hand. We um, took Levi and Lucas on. 13. Now, this is a ride that goes really, really fast. And then halfway through, it goes into pure darkness and just drops. Yeah, and it was yeah. brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Here's the music when you're going around and it going, don't look down. So what does everybody do? We all look down. So, so you literally just drop, don't you, to the next section and then you go backwards, don't you? It's like one of those conversations when one of your friends are saying to you, oh my God, don't look over there, but in a minute. So what do you do? You look straight over there to see what's going on. So we were all looking down and we went down so fast. But it was a great day. Really it good was day. Fast. And the sun was shining as well. The weather was really kind to us too. Yeah. At the beginning, there was like a parade with every single In the Night Guard and uh, all the CBBS characters, Teletubbies, uh, Bing, all came down. 
and they all came to the front and then they had like a massive opening parade and everybody went inside it it were it were a really fun day the boys absolutely loved it so yes and that's what we've been up to but today later on in the podcast stay tuned because we are going to be talking to ben sutcliffe today from caldwell children aren't we yeah, that's right. So Ben's one of the is the director of executive events. Now we know Ben really well because we actually went on Cardwell's Destination Dreams trip to Florida when the boys were about five or six, and Ben was on that trip. So he's worked with Cardwell a long time, and, and he's he knows- known Levi and Luke for a long time. He's seen Levi and Lucas grow and develop and evolve into the young men they are becoming to this day, and that relationship is really growing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, ben, ben is a brilliant guy and he also he, he has epilepsy himself so he knows firsthand how disabilities can affect you because it was actually at the Cordwell Centre at the weekend for Children's Activities Week and um, that's a massive the ch- different people like Baby Ballet and Toddler Boxing and all stuff like that they all get together to raise money for Children's Activities Week and this money goes directly to Cordwell Children. So they had their massive, it was, what was it called? A showcase day. Showcase day. It was really good fun. And there were so many different types of children there all together as one. It was just wonderful to see. Disabilities yeah. weren't, were not an issue. People were not judging individuals on their disability. You were just seen for who you are, and the world needs more of that. So we travelled there, um, and that's another place that's amazing. If you ever get to go to the Cordwell Children's Centre in Stoke, uh, you must go and see that. So we're going to hear very shortly from one of our listeners. But before we do, I just want to actually explain, if you can hear a bit of noise in the background, because this is real live, here we are in the children's playroom. We have hidden away in the house and we have builders putting a new bathroom in and we did say, guys, we're just going to do a quick podcast. Just keep the noise down. So what do they do? <laughs> they start soaring away, banging and doing what they do and shouting at each other during the podcast. So Yeah, so they'll be coming in here with drill next. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they'll be, suddenly want to get into the playroom to ask us a question oh, about... Oh, there'll be water dripping on your head. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, suddenly you hear a leak, big screech we, from room, me, um, the ceiling's fallen down. Yeah, we've been leaking, haven't we? It's been leaking in the kitchen. We've got a massive oil in the kitchen ceiling at the minute. Yeah, so all the plaster will probably fall through and get stuck in my hair. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there you go. They're at it again. Can you hear them? Bang, 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 bang. But they're the only people that don't really listen. So apologies about this, but back to what we were talking about. So this is our little section on disability where we like to talk about your questions, queries, or anything you'd like to ask us about, about what we've dealt with with the boys, how we've overcome it. And we've had um, a message coming on Instagram from Jane from Portsmouth. And Jane's obviously been a follower for a long time and seen that how we feed the boys and they eat different vegetables and stuff like that. And Hello, Jane. She, I do hope you're well. She was asking, um, how did we manage that with the boys' severe autism, getting them to eat like a v- varied amount of different foods like we do? Well, Jane, 
this was not an overnight no. success. <laughs> this has taken us years and years and years. So, um, I remember when Levi and Lucas used to be in the high chairs and we'd buy them, you know, them little tins of spaghetti where it's Bob the Builder and all stuff like that. And we'd be trying them with toast and different bits of food. And they really used to gag and gip and the hated trying different foods because a lot of you may, may know people with autism they like bland colors plain foods a lot just live off like chicken nuggets or one certain thing and we didn't want that for the boys did we no we wanted it to be so we didn't want them to control the food situation we were very aware of this because obviously sometimes you know the boys behavior can control situations whether it's too much for them or they struggle with it. But with food, it was so important that we gave them such a varied diet and we worked. Well, it's taken us years to get to this stage. Yeah. 100%. We are not exaggerating. It really has taken us I years. Just think, and perseverance. Yeah. yeah. I remember we had it thrown in his air. They'd throw it across the room. They'd tip the balls. And the dietitian at the time said... If they just like quavers, just let them eat quavers. And we were like, no way. They need to have a varied diet. We want them to eat as much... It's the health, isn't it, and the vitamins. As the, possible. Yeah. And they do love Sunday dinners, albeit their meals still have to be chopped up really small because they still Especially haven't got Levi into. that grasp of chewing and swallowing so, is so delayed. Paul normally feeds Levi and I normally feed Lucas... And the only thing they don't really have now is fruit. We just can't do the fruit. They just won't take the fruit. They really, they really dislike the texture or the taste. I don't know what it is, but we've tried to hide the fruit in everything. Yeah, like bananas mashed up in custard, and so if any of our listeners have any any more advice on this for the fruit, please just yeah. reach out and let us know because you know we 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 want advice as well. I mean, we're not saying we're experts. We're just kind of sharing our life they've always had struggles with food and levi has like a fiber supplement drinks um as well from the dietitian just to top him up but we are we are looking now the dewey shepherd's pies sunday dinners even like curries and rice stuff like that which um we worked hard and and they've adjusted to it and they eat it and they enjoy it now So coming up next, we have something which obviously has helped us a lot with the boys with chewing, eating and swallowing, hasn't it? Yeah, so here at Diffability, we like to recommend different products and, and things that have helped us in the past. And one of those products in the early stages with the chewing and eating because the boys would just tend to let st stuff sit in the mouth and suck it. Um, so we found a product and it's called Chewy Tubes and they're like a T-shape rubber tube and they're also good for autism in general just for like a fidget or for children like Lucas that likes to chew clothes and bedding to try and move them onto a tube instead so it helps with the chewing motion obviously in the mouth for feeding and eating and chewing food properly but it's also been a big help for 
Lucas used to chew his uh, school uniform jumper every single day and put a hole in it and they'd have to be binned and it'd look, it'd look scruffy and it went through loads and loads of jumpers and we just couldn't stop him from doing it. So um, have a look online. I think they'll just be on eBay and Amazon and stuff. Type in Chewy Tube or Chewy Tube for Autism uh, and they, they will come up. They're only a few pound, but we found them a massive help. So coming up next on the Diffability podcast, we are going to be talking to Ben Sutcliffe, who is going to be telling us all about Cordwell children, what they do, their vision on where they want to be, and just the impact they are making on children and young people with disabilities and autism. This really is a fascinating listen. And you really do need to stay tuned to hear what Ben's got to say on behalf of Cordwell Children. So welcome, Ben Sutcliffe. You are the Director of Executive Projects for Cordwell Children. That is your title. For all the listeners, do you want to go into detail exactly what you do with Cordwell Children? Okay, um, well, I've worked for Cordwell Children for 13 years, uh, started here as a PR manager. My background is in comms, marketing and PR, uh, but very early on in the, uh, working at the charity, I worked very closely with Trudy, our chief exec, to start looking at how we could expand services, uh, change to meet the needs of the families that we were talking to. Uh, and. That took me away from PR quite a lot. So over the first decade of me working here, I was doing all of the PR and the communications and marketing, but at the same time, we were looking at where the charity was going to go in the future. And uh, Trudy, obviously, back in 2007, recognised that um, autism was going to play a major part in the future of the charity because there was so much demand by parents, by children for, for any kind of help with autism. So that was when we started on that journey towards building a dedicated centre, expanding our autism services and implementing the new Cordwell Children Autism uh, Diagnostic and Research Pathway. And I got involved at an early stage in developing that, researching that, and ultimately working alongside Trudy and uh, Gary, our CFO, to build the Cordwell International Children's Centre. So really, Director of Executive Projects is a bit of everything. I'll stick yeah. nose in, in every department around the charity. Um, we'll look at new ideas, uh, new partnerships, um, but are still very close to the media and the communications. So. It's very hard to really put a pin in what my role is. It's a bit of everything. Um, but like I say, working very closely with with Trudy and the rest of our the rest of the directors and the senior exec team. And we've obviously visited the centre with the boys, Ben. Um, and we know that in May, um, 17 children visited the centre for assessment. Um, this is obviously helping the NHS and those families get like assessed and diagnosed a lot quicker. Um, are the referrals coming in really fast? Are, is it getting a lot busier, that side of the centre? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we were really passionate about 
not completely stopping the autism service during lockdown because, you know, lockdown was going to be so difficult for, for families anyway. If they were, had started that journey towards an autism assessment and then suddenly couldn't see an end in sight because of lockdown, because of COVID, um, that was just going to add to the stress and the anxiety that they were going to be feeling. So we were conscious that we wanted to keep things going. So we did everything that we possibly could to carry on um, processing those uh, referrals remotely and doing some of the uh, assessments uh, over Zoom, digitally, over Teams and so on. Um, and then as soon as we could safely bring children back into the centre. And obviously that's been, uh, because of social distancing, it's been, you know, uh, hardly any amount of children that we've been able to get in. It's been two a week, three a week. Um, but that's starting to increase now. Uh, and we've got lots of referrals coming in. We've got some, we've been commissioned by a couple of health services. I'm delighted to say that we've started taking our first international children as well. So we've been commissioned by the Gibraltar Health Authority to deliver some of their autism service. Um, so it, it's going really well. Uh, but we can still, we still want to really spread the word that autism assessments within six weeks are available here at the centre full multidisciplinary assessment and then immediate 12 months post-diagnostic support and at the moment thanks to the fundraising that we've been able to do that's 100% funded for families that meet our eligibility criteria that's 100% funded by the charity no cost at all but at the same time there are families out there that that are above our threshold yes. and still need that assessment and again it's great that we're able to offer that as a self-funded service as well but that's kind of groundbreaking into that you have been able to still offer those services virtually over the lockdown and stuff you've not just kind of closed the doors and left parents to it that it's a massive thing that isn't it i mean because for us as you know you know levi and lucas really well the the whole lockdown process and i think we speak on behalf of all the other families with children with autism or special needs, has, has been really, really tough. You know, the earlier part of it where, because children with autism, they learn visually. So all the visuals that they could see outside, they couldn't access any of it. You know, yeah. just the simple things of going to the park. We used to have cases with the boys where <clears throat> they would see the park near to us when we were allowed out once a day. Then they would get so distraught, we couldn't go to the park because it was all taped up. And it was all those kind of things we were having to deal with, with the boys, and yet a lot of other families as well. And I, I just think that the whole process of this lockdown has been so hard for children with autism in particularly because they learn visually. Yeah. Yeah, and again, something that we, we listen to the families to you guys and to lots of other people that were contacting us right in the early days of lockdown about, you know, suddenly 24-7, you know, those caring responsibilities that some that you get some support with, whether it's at schools, whether it's with community services, all gone and all of the caring was on your shoulders 24 hours a day, seven days a week with no end in sight. And that we, we felt your the strain on families really early on. So again, we did what we could to change as quickly as we could and start offering things that were gonna just ease some of that burden. And we did digital short breaks, 
So, you know, even if that's just a couple of hours where their kids are engaging with somebody, you know, it was via Zoom because that's all we had to play with, but at least they have some interactive, again, visually, just like you say, they're interacting, some peer group support as well. And then, um, and then launching the Get Sensory campaign because not being able to access occupational therapy and sensory equipment, which would normally be available in schools, in community yeah. centres, wherever families may go, um, again, was, was a big part of what changed for, for, the, for children. Uh, and we wanted to be able to give something that could be delivered in home, you know, whether it was a, a time to be able to, uh, children be able to self-regulate and relax in their own home, or whether it was parents being able to do a little bit of occupational therapy yeah. themselves with the kids so they don't lose everything that they'd learned at school or wherever. Um, and we started delivering those get sensory packs really quickly to get that out into the home. We had our OTs doing videos to uh, show how to use all of the equipment in creative and fun ways. So uh, we did what we could to, to help you know, families like like we, we know the um, the get sensory packs have been a massive success, haven't they? Then, but to obviously keep on funding them, you've you've obviously lost a lot of your events as well over the COVID period. Has has that affected the charity a lot? Um, Trudy's got you know a really positive outlook and wants to always focus on the silver linings. So we do we talk a lot about all of the things that we've done brilliantly during lockdown. But we can't do that without realising that fundraising has been, you know, it was like the tap just turned off. We've, you, you guys have been to some of our events. You know that events are what we do and that that was just ended. So to not have any face-to-face -face events and trying to, just like every other charity in the world, asking people to donate online and trying to do different digital campaigns, you know, it was it was impossible. So fundraising has been hit hard, very hard. Uh, we were fortunate that our event in Monaco was still able to take place uh, because it was outdoors and infection rates were a lot lower over there. So it was still socially distanced, but we managed to uh, get some income into the Monaco event. Um, we had some uh, corporate support, so Get Sensory got a real boost right at the beginning from some corporate support. And then we've had some of our supporters making donations, but it was nowhere near what we need on a normal annual uh, basis to be able to, to carry on going. This year needs to start showing the signs of recovery um, because you know if it carried on for a lot longer, not just us, but charities all over the country, all over the world would be disappearing. Which is awful to hear that when so many families need charities like you guys just to be there to support. And I'm not talking, you know, financially to support families. I'm also talking about that emotional side of it because, you know, as parents, when you're caring 24 hours a day for children with special needs, you know, it, it is tough and there's no question about it. You know, we can all sometimes sugarcoat it, but the reality of it is it's a completely, it's a full-time job. And you as yourself, we, I mean, we have days where we feel like we're just machines, but, you know, 
humour to us kind of gets us through a lot, a lot of the, the difficult, dark days. But, you know, everybody has those days. And I think it's how you deal with that and how you try and always look at the positives. Although there are days when it is really hard to see the positives, there are always those positives there. Would you agree, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and well, it's one of those intangible things that we do as a charity. That, and I hope that every single person working for the charity it does just automatically in the... I like to think that we, we are just there as, you know, people who... I can't say even understand because I'm not in your position, uh, but I can empathise and I can listen and I can do whatever I can to help, or I can have a laugh with you and understand that that's how you're getting through it. And we can have a smile and we can, you know, we can, most importantly, we see the joy in it all as well, that you've got beautiful kids and yes, they come with a lot of challenges and they come with those dark days and messy stuff, but they also come with a lot of sunshine and a lot of happiness. And hearing you talk just the way you did, that is what I mean when so many families just need to be able to hear people like yourselves talk, because just hearing you talk then, it's almost like medicine to me, the fact that somebody is so knowledgeable you know, and totally gets it and grasps it and wants to understand absolutely everything about autism in itself. Would you agree? Yeah. We also, we get a lot of families, Ben, I don't, you'll know because we pass it a lot on to Cordwell. If we can, like, pass people on to Cordwell that need help that haven't heard of you guys before. And a lot of families are coming, like, forward for support where they can get this, that and the other. So aside from like the autism, what is the other like core services for people that are new to your charity that you offer, you know, to, to families with different disabilities and things? Because we know you still do a lot of other things for equipment and everything else as well. Yeah, uh, and it's one of, the, one of the dangers, one of the challenges for us that people will, will miss that we do so much more. Uh, and we have, to, we have to keep on reminding everybody that, you know, we're not just an autism charity. Yes, autism is a big focus for us. We want to do massive things to help uh, children, remember autistic children, but we do so much more and so much more that, again, can have a massive impact. And uh, our other services are focused, they're always focused around independence and, uh, and uh, raising aspirations. Uh, and that, that can be really practical things like equipment, so if, if a piece of uh, equipment like a powered wheelchair or a therapy tricycle or a car seat um, or a specialised buggy is going to give that child or that family a little bit more independence, a little bit more mobility, so some of the barriers to their aspirations are removed and they can start thinking, you know, what's the next thing that we can achieve? What's the next thing that we can do? And that could be, you know, a car seat is a great example because on the face of it, people may not think that it's that important piece of equipment. But as you guys know, you know, yeah. it's not a baby car seat that everybody gets from mother care. It's something that's helping a, 
12-year-old heavy child get in and out of a car and get to hospital appointments. And the anxiety around getting your child to an important hospital appointment because it's hard getting them in and out of a chair, out of a car safely, to remove that, you know, that's a huge, huge weight off somebody's mind. So we do... Yeah, sorry, Ben. And I think a lot of mainstream families just assume that the NHS or councils fund car seats and things like that, but that they're actually excluded and exempt, aren't they, from, from funding. So a lot of it falls on the charities like Cardwell to pick that up because they're so expensive. Yeah, and that's what we always try and do. We always try and find the gaps in statutory services and alongside actually providing the the day-to-day help, so providing those pieces of equipment. Um, we're also seeing why aren't statutory services picking that up and what can we do to change that because maybe we shouldn't be doing it and it should be statutorily available. So, uh, you know, in the background, and we don't shout about it a lot um, because it's not core to what we do. Core to what we do is helping children and families on a practical level on a day-to-day basis. But we want to do that on a mass scale. So, you know, uh, at the moment, uh, Trudy's got her vision of where we're going as a charity uh, and making sure that everything, that all of the projects that we're working on and all of the different connections that we're making are all funneled into the right places. And we don't start drifting off doing all different types of things that, uh, that might not be helping families in the way that we were set up to help. And she calls it a big bang theory. And we literally talk about it every day. And at the top of the big bang is those societal changes. You know, how are we going to make environments more inclusive? How are we going to make uh, education uh, more inclusive? And they're the conversations that Trudy and I and some of the team are having with United Nations, with government, with other charities, uh, with the, you know, uh, influencers. But that, it kind of goes on in the background because it, at the foreground is families need that help today. They don't need to hear us harping on about it in Westminster. They need to get the equipment. So let's keep on doing that. And hopefully further down the line, we'll change it for everybody. I mean, we, we came to the centre when it opened in 2019 with Lee Van Lucas. And I have to say, and I think a lot of parents will be relating to what I say, when we came to the centre, it's a huge building. I was really nervous because obviously the boys and how they can be so unpredictable. I was, I was saying to Michael, oh gosh, Michael, what happens if they suddenly start screaming or, or get really upset? And as soon as we walked into the building, I felt like we were not being judged whatsoever. And I think a lot of parents need to hear that from us to be able to have the courage to reach out to you guys because it's a place where you you feel you're not judged. The children are free to be as they are. And everybody is wanting to understand that individual child. So it's it's not like, is it going to a charity's office? It's like no. specially built and designed for the children that it's going to it's be the It's a very, very child-focused centre. And, you know, the, the space that all the kids have to move about, if they want to wander, you know. gardens. And, yeah, yeah the, the sensory garden. I mean, the, the equipment in the garden as well. We were like... 
wow. Can you imagine if every local authority park was yeah. like this? My God, life would be so much easier for so many families. But you know, it isn't. But you go there and we were like, you know, even the changing facilities, you know, there, there was everything just like in one place completely. And it was just amazing. So I to, sorry, it's because you know, you know, the youngest two are suddenly here. I feel like one of those news readers, you know, when they're trying to do an interview and the kids are in the background, you know, and then normally some woman comes along and pulls the kids out of the way. But, well, that's just... Thanks a lot, Ben, for joining us. But on that note, Ben, we're going to say goodbye and we're going to say thank you so much for all the work you have done because you're nice and calm and quiet there. But in the background here, there's kids running around. Also. What it's like. Um, so, yeah, trying to work from home and having kids just pulling at your leg. I, I don't have a door. I do it when I was at home. Uh, the door to the bedroom would be behind me. I'd be on Zoom doing whatever. And Alfie would just pop his head around. And I'd just see him put his head back again and knew that he'd keep on doing it. We were doing one the last week and Levi and Lucas were here and we were on screen and next thing this iPad kept hitting me on the face because <laughs> Levi wanted me to put in the night garden on his iPad and I'm trying to answer these questions and I'm going, yes, wait a minute, daddy's going to do it right now, wait a minute and he's just throwing me the iPad because he wants it on there and then I'm trying to, but you know, it's real life, it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But on that note, Ben, we are going to free you up and say thank you so much for your time and everything you do. Michael's coming here to say goodbye now quickly as well because it's gone quite far. But I just want to say, Ben, you know, everything about Cornwall is just amazing. It really is. Yeah. So both of you, hey, thanks for Cornwall children. Thanks for, you know, Lending your insight to help us learn, to help other people learn, because... Are you new? I'm my daddy. Are you a daddy? Oh, sorry, Ben. Hi. I was fun going off, so thanks a lot, Ben. You're welcome. Say bye-bye. Mini milk. Bye. Mini milk. Can I have a mini milk? <laughs>So sadly, this has come to the end of our episode here on the Diffability Podcast. Time just goes so fast when you're having so much fun. Yeah, we'd really like to say a massive thank you to everybody for rating and reviewing the podcast. Um, it is doing really well in the charts and we're really pleased with it and we just want to reach the right family. So if you are a disabled parent or carer, if you could share it on your Facebook or share it with your friends and tell them about it, we'd really appreciate that. Because hopefully the vision for us is to make everybody feel like they're not alone and they're not coping with different situations by themselves. We are all in this together and together we can achieve so much more. But, you know, yeah. we, we get lots of nice, kind, supportive messages all the time. We'd just like to shout out one of our five-star reviews that's come through on uh, Apple Podcasts. Which says, my son is non-verbal and autistic. This podcast has really opened my eyes. It's amazing to hear other people's experiences and know you are not alone. I can't wait to hear the other po- episodes. 
and that is from that's from Paige Amy. So thank you for that five star rating. We really do appreciate it. Please that. do keep them coming. They are really important to us because we want to know we are heading in the right direction, all of us together. And that includes you as the listeners as well. Not just myself and Michael, but the listeners. So yeah, if you have enjoyed it, please rate and review and share it with your friends. Also, we're available on all social media pages, the Atwell Bryce family. So we are on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Venus, we're on Mars, <laughs> and I'm even on Uranus. <laughs> See you next time.